When I told my wife I was recording a podcast about sales funnels, she scoffed. What do you know about sales funnels? And it's a legitimate question. I'm a product manager, although a senior one, of course, who's been around the block. I've never set up a sales funnel, to be quite honest. But because I'm a product manager, I need to know something about them. After all, I'm not successful if my product doesn't sell. And I've argued before on this podcast that I have a lot of influence as a product manager over the success of my product, including sales and marketing. And my framework, what I call the secret product management framework, has three pieces. Of course, there's finding market problems we're solving, there's creating the solutions to those problems, and then taking the solutions to market, i.e. selling them. Now, I don't do the actual selling, just as I don't do the actual building of the solution, but, you know, it's beneficial and more likely to lead to success if I know some basic technical information about how a software product is built and can work with the dev team and have intelligent conversations about what they're doing, even though I don't strictly need to be a developer, right? I don't have to be a developer to have those conversations and to have that knowledge be valuable. In the same way, it's beneficial and more likely to lead to product success if I know some basic information about how sales and marketing work and can work with the marketing and sales teams and have intelligent discussions about what they're doing, even though I don't strictly need to be a salesperson or a marketer. So in this episode, let's talk about sales funnels. And you'll find that there's a lot of product management meat to sales funnels. Hi, this is Nels Davis, and you're listening to episode 143 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at secretsofpm.com slash 143, including links to related articles and other episodes and all kinds of useful stuff. Before I get back into the episode, I wanted to mention two things quickly. First, I have a weekly Secrets of Product Management meetup. It happens on Friday mornings at... 8 a.m. Pacific time. If you'd like to attend, it's free and I'd love to have you join. Go to secretsofpm.com meetup and get on the notification list. I send out a little email every week reminding people. This week we'll be talking about how product managers can help sales and marketing succeed, i.e. at selling your product. This ties in nicely with this episode's topic, of course. So go to secretsofpm.com meetup and get on the list. I'll send you the info and you can join us. If not this week, then sometime in the future. I'd love to have you join. By the way, that's the only thing I use that mailing list for, reminding people about the meetup every week. Again, secretsofpm.com meetup. Now, if you are perhaps thinking something along the lines of, how can I become more confident in my business presentations? And how can I have more clarity and impact when I'm communicating with peers and executives and customers? it might be time to talk to me about one of my coaching programs. Communication, storytelling, influence, and persuasion are a big part of what I help my clients with. My programs are personalized, combining tutorials and coaching, where I'll teach you and help you apply the power skills I talk about on this podcast. From storytelling and persuasion, to the minimum viable product knowledge that's critical for successful go-to-market, to the specific tools you need to crush your day-to-day challenges. So go to secretsofpm.com slash free call to schedule a free consultation call slash coaching session with me. That's secretsofpm.com slash free call. I look forward to you signing up for that. Obviously, I also just am very happy you're listening to the podcast. So let's get on with the episode. What is a sales funnel? Now, I'm not sure that every product manager understands about sales funnels, and I'm quite sure that most people don't think about them the way that I do. So I'm going to do a little bit of basics on what a sales funnel is, and then I'll talk about a couple of different observations. So the sales funnel is, is a way of 
talking about or thinking about the process a person goes through to become a customer. They enter the sales funnel based on some marketing activity. They click a link or they respond to an advertisement or maybe a salesperson reaches out to them with a cold call. And there are lots of so-called top of funnel activities. These are the things where leads come into the funnel. I mentioned ads and marketing. There's like product-led growth where you give a free trial of your product or something like that. There's lots of free offers and freebies. You know, I have some freebies that if you go to my website, secretsofvm.com, or you go to my other website, the secretpmhandbook.com, I offer people who come to my blog a free white paper or a cheat sheet on various things. There's one on storytelling. There's how to, one on how to run a retrospective, how to ask good discovery questions. I have all those as freebies, by the way. Anyway, in return for entering your email address, I send you this valuable free thing. And at that point, you are in my funnel. Now, I don't actually use my mailing list as a funnel tool that much. But in reality, if you're on my mailing list, I might try to get you to buy something for me, or I might send you an offer at any rate. So it is part of my funnel. Now, in reality, this podcast is also kind of a top of funnel activity. It doesn't actually get you into my funnel. But if you go to the show notes page, you might decide to take me up on an offer to join my mailing list, which is you can do from the show notes page. And then, you, again, you'll be in my funnel. Anyway, once a person is in the funnel, and at that point we call them a lead or sometimes a prospect, our goal is either to move them further down the funnel into being a client or move them out of the funnel as someone who will not become a client. Now, in an enterprise software sales funnel, and that's the ones I'm most familiar with, the next step might be someone from sales calling the lead or prospect and doing some qualification. The goal of qualification is to determine if this lead is qualified to be in our funnel, meaning that they have a likelihood of eventually becoming a customer, or conversely, probably will never become a customer. And if they're disqualified, which sounds terrible, but of course is a good salesperson will let someone down easily, then that lead will be rejected from the funnel. Probably not actually deleted because it's often worth revisiting those folks later on, but for now they'll be moved out of the sales funnel itself. The next step in the funnel is the actual sales process where we're trying to persuade the prospect at this point, they're definitely a prospect, no longer just a lead, that they should buy our product. Of course, Prospects can still be disqualified for various reasons, including the most basic reason that they don't really need our product. And prospects can also remove themselves from the funnel. They can say, don't call me anymore, or I'm, I'm definitely not going to buy. But as they move down the funnel toward the close, or when we get, a, get an agreement from the prospect that they will buy and finish the selling process, obviously that end of the funnel narrows. There are fewer prospects at each stage as they are qualified out or decide not to buy or leave the funnel for other reasons. So this is a very simplified view of a sales funnel, but basically leads come in the top of the funnel and eventually some sales come out the bottom of the funnel. So real sales funnels are actually funnel shaped. They're bigger at the top and narrower at the bottom. But one interesting thing to think about is what is the ideal shape for a sales funnel? Well, the reality is it's a cylinder. All the leads that come in are perfect prospects for your product. The sales process is perfect at persuading them to buy, and everyone in the funnel buys your product. Yay! Of course, this is an ideal situation that can never be realized in real life, but that's really the desire of everyone who markets and sells. All the leads that come in are good, and everyone can and will be turned into a customer. What does a bad sales funnel look like in comparison? Well, it's very, very wide at the top. 
gathering lots of leads, most of whom are not qualified or interested in your product. It's also very long. The funnel narrows slowly, but for a long time, reflecting a very long sales cycle and lots of delays in qualifying people out of the funnel. And then at the end of the funnel, it's very narrow, hardly any sales. That's a bad funnel. Super wide at the top, long and very narrow at the bottom. So why am I telling you all this? Because as product managers, we have a lot of influence over the shape and size of the funnel, albeit not directly, as in we're not really building it, but in how we communicate with sales and marketing and how we prepare them to be successful selling our product. What does product management have to do with sales funnels? Well, you might remember my podcast episode called How to Make More Money. This is episode 131 of the podcast. I talk about, surprise, five ways to make more money with your product. In short, these are your market grows and you grow with it, which is actually you don't get much credit for as a product manager. The second way is you beat your competitors more in your existing deals, meaning that that middle part of the funnel, you do a better job of persuading your prospects that your solution is the best solution for them, that it's better than the, their other alternatives. The third thing you can do is you can get into more deals and win them at your normal rates. What does that involve? It involves getting better leads in and more of them into your funnel and probably fewer bad leads into your funnel. And then you just when they just run through the funnel normally, but because there's more coming in who are qualified, you win more deals. Another thing you can do is you extend your footprint in your existing market by selling more to each customer, which increases your average deal size. What does this have to do with the funnel? Well, a couple different things. One is maybe within the sales process itself, your salespeople are doing a better job of articulating the value of your product. And so you're getting bigger sales because the customer sees more value and so is willing to pay more or get more seats or whatever it might be. And finally, you can start selling in a new segment or market. How does this impact the funnel? Well, to sell into a new market, you have to be getting leads from that new market or that new segment, whatever it is. And so you have to be directing marketing campaigns to the new segment. So the changes you would make to make more money have an impact in specific parts of the funnel, as I described. The size of the opening at the top, how porous the sides have to be, meaning how fast people get disqualified, how fast prospects can move through the funnel, how much you've reduced friction, how much you've improved the ability to persuade, so on and so forth. Now, I have another episode called A Repeatable Sales Process and Why You Don't Have One. That's episode 127. In that episode, I shared some characteristics that result in a not great sales process. So these are bad situations. One of them is marketing doesn't select for the ideal customer and reject non-ideal customers. What does that mean for the funnel? That means the funnel is very wide at the top and it's not, re- it's not getting in the correct people and it's letting in people that aren't correct and who won't ever buy. Now, if sales does a poor job of discovering qualification, that means that the places in the funnel where people should be disqualified out those are not working. So that, that's something that keeps the funnel from narrowing down. What about bad objection handling? Well, that slows down the process of the prospect through the funnel, and it might also mean people are being rejected from the funnel that shouldn't be. Now, if demos are focused on the features and functions instead of on the prospect's problems, again, that's going to slow down the velocity. It might mean you lose good prospects because you're not showing them how their problem is going to be solved. And if they're 
if you're not using customer stories well, again, that's going to contribute to friction in the funnel, which increases, which dec decreases sales velocity, increases the length of time that prospect sales stay in the funnel, and also probably reduces your win rate. So, of course, the solution I suggest in that episode is what I call the minimum viable product knowledge, the set of knowledge, and there's four key pieces, that product management can share with sales and marketing that they can use as the basis for a repeatable sales model. In other words, making a great funnel. You know, again, in a good sales funnel, good leads come in at the top, meaning we're marketing to the right people and getting them to, to join us. They flow smoothly and with little friction through the sales part of the funnel, which means we are good at persuading, we have good customer stories, we're good at handling objections, and they come out the bottom as happy customers. You know, I suppose I'm probably beating a dead horse here, but all of these concepts are obviously very closely connected. If marketing knows who to market to, they can make the top of the funnel select for good prospects and reject bad prospects. How do they find out who to market to? Product management tells them because product management did the market discovery to find the problem that the product solves. So we know the right segment to target. We know what problems they're facing. We know the impact of those problems on them. And this is all highly valuable for creating great marketing that brings in the right leads into the top of our funnel. What about the sales process itself? Well, this is the domain of the rest of the minimum viable product knowledge, everything from qualification questions, which product management can provide a lot of valuable input on, to customer success stories, which product management is often the gatherer of, and especially for objection handling, because product management is supposed to know a lot about the competitors and how our product is better for the prospect than the competitor's product. In fact, we often have something stronger. We have, ideally, a complete story on why our solution is our ideal customer's best choice out of all their alternatives. If you can get that story into sales' hands, they're going to be much more successful selling your product, meaning the friction of the funnel is reduced and the sales velocity through the funnel is increased. And that all helps not only to keep the bottom of the funnel wider because we're closing more of our ideal prospects, but it also increases the velocity with which prospects move through the funnel and become customers. And that's always a really great outcome because that means more revenue faster. So in summary, product managers have a lot of influence or can have, if you're communicating the right info to sales and marketing, on the top of the funnel, helping marketing with targeting the correct ideal customer and with moving them into the funnel with marketing that shows we understand their pain and problems. In the middle of the funnel, as we qualify and do discovery and make great demos, with the prospects to ensure they are the ideal prospects, that they have the problems we solve, and that they understand how we solve them. And at the bottom of the funnel, because we are providing critical objection handling information like competitor insights and customer success stories. Now, I wanted to quickly mention something we won't have time for in this episode. There's another important funnel for product managers that I'll just have to cover at another time. And this is the funnel of new product and new feature ideas. And its dynamics are actually backwards from the sales funnel. You don't want this to be a narrow funnel. You want it to be fairly wide, wider at the top than at the bottom, because you want a lot of ideas and market problems coming in and going through a process, a good process, before they are selected to be turned into products and features. So it's really the opposite from the sales funnel. You know, our ideas are essentially free. They're, we may have to do market discovery to discover them, but they're more or less free, unlike prospects who are actually expensive to get. And like many free things, most of them aren't worth that much, and so we need to reject them. And those that are worth something are usually already taken. So it's the rare idea that comes in at the top of the product management 
product and ideas funnel that really is worth building. And that's actually one of the fundamental challenges of product management is prioritizing those ideas as they come in and making sure you're building the right ones. So that's the product management funnel. We'll talk about that another time. Summarizing on the sales funnel, here's three things you can start doing today to put these ideas about the sales funnel into practice. What can product managers do about the marketing and sales funnel? First of all, figure out what your sales funnel is. Familiarize yourself with it. Learn how wide it is at the top, how fast it narrows, how it narrows. Find out the velocity of prospects through the funnel. One very interesting metric, and it's hard to find it as a metric, to be honest, is how far down the funnel bad prospects get before being rejected. You really want bad prospects to be out of the funnel early, but because if sales is spending time selling to bad prospects, that's really a waste. So you want to know how much time does sales spend doing that. It's very useful information to know. And you don't really need to know the exact numbers. You just have to know if it's happening. And if you see that it's happening, you can perhaps influence sales and marketing to improve the process so it doesn't happen as much. So once you know what's going on with your funnel, you can start to look for places to improve it, like I just mentioned. How can you improve your funnel? There's several ways. First, you can narrow the top opening, meaning stop bringing in leads who won't ever be customers and make sure you're focusing on getting the right leads in. You do this by making the marketing more accurate at targeting the desired prospects. And how do you do that? By being more explicit about the problem you solve and who you solve it for. Conversely, you can also do a better job using much the same technique at making the funnel attract more of the right prospects. Again, make it more clear the problem you solve and who you solve it for. Make sure that it resonates with the ideal customer. A lot of this is really marketing's job to execute on, but it's product management's job to provide the basics of the problem and who the segment is. So marketing tends to be better at actually creating the marketing material that bring those people in, but they have to know who the people are and they have to know what the problem is. Again, making it more clear the problem you solve and who you solve it for. Make sure that resonates with the ideal customer. You can also reduce the friction of going through the funnel. Your goal is for qualified ideal prospects to get through the funnel as fast as possible. Removing friction and making the journey faster and cleaner will result in closing sales faster and possibly in happier customers once they become clients. A painful sales process can linger in the back of someone's mind. So what do you do? You make sure sales has the tools that help them accelerate or at least speed the prospect's path through the funnel to being becoming a client. So the final thing is you can do is to make sure your funnel gets better at rejecting prospects who are not a good match and doing that as early as possible. How do you do that? Improved qualification and discovery questions is really a big thing. Again, a lot of that information is stuff that product management knows. We know what the characteristics of these ideal customers are, and so we can help sales and marketing with good discovery questions and good qualification questions to make sure that prospects that they call are actually good prospects. You know, it's really most of this is about the questions the sales consultants ask during the early part of the sales process, and we can have a lot of input into that. So I do want to just say this discussion is obviously highly focused on enterprise sales. A lot of these examples are kind of enterprise sales, but many of these ideas really do apply in other sales domains. For example, coaches like me have to do the same kind of thing. 
really anyone who's selling one-to-one or basically one-to-an organization is going to have a lot of these things. And if you look at all the sales guides to, for people that are doing sort of side businesses or, you know, doing coaching or something like that, there's a lot of talk about sales funnels because these ideas apply no matter how you're selling. Now, if you're selling a widget to consumers, then most of the high-level ideas still apply, but since it's not a one-to-one sale, some of the details are different. Some of the ways you fix your funnel are different. But the same things have to happen. You want the right leads to come in. You want to move them through the funnel. You want to disqualify them as fast as possible. So that's it for funnels, at least for this episode. If you have additional questions about funnels, if there's things I didn't cover or you'd like to hear more about, definitely let me know. I'd love to hear your thoughts and comments on this episode. Maybe you already knew all this, or is it new thinking? Or have I connected some dots for you? I hope I have. Let me know in the comments for this episode at secretsofpm.com slash 143. Or you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm easy to find. I think I'm the only Nels Davis, or certainly I'm one of few, and you can easily find me. Don't forget to sign up for the Secrets of PM weekly meetup at secretsofpm.com slash meetup. And don't forget secretsofpm.com slash free call for a free coaching session and consultation about my coaching programs. There might be one that's perfect for you right where you are today to help you get where you want to be tomorrow. Thanks for listening, and I hope you can join me for the next episode. Until then, this is Nels Davis. Bye-bye.